Well, happy Greater Easter. Welcome to the Greatest Sunday. Amen. God is so good. He's so faithful. And uh, we give him all the glory this morning because he is so good. Welcome to our first service. Thank you for being here. We really do appreciate you making a decision to be in church today. And uh, we are truly here to be at your service. That is our mission, to serve God with all our hearts, to serve our beautiful partners and congregation, and to serve our community with the love of God. If you are visiting us this morning for the first time, we do want to acknowledge you. We'd like to give you one of our welcome brochures. So if that is you this morning, you are visiting today, would you raise your hand? We want to just give you a quick Rayma South Coast welcome. Anyone visiting for the first time this morning? Awesome. Well, it's good to have all of you here. We just want to welcome our whole online audience this morning on YouTube. Wherever you are watching from today, God bless you. We love you, and we pray that God would touch your life in a special way this morning. Well, we're in a series we started last Sunday called Old New, and uh, Mandy did a great job introducing us uh, to this series, Stepping Out of the Old, Stepping Into the New. On Good Friday, we looked at what this really means for you and I as believers. What does it mean to be a new creature in Christ? And why is it sometimes that we struggle in the natural with things in our lives? And we spoke about suffering. We spoke about going from glory to glory. And then most importantly, we spoke about making sure we are becoming the new wine skin so that God can pour in that new wine. Say, I'm shedding my old wine skin. Today we're going to continue a little bit, but I want to talk to you this morning from the premise of God's best for your life. God wants His best for your life. And sometimes we look at what's our best for our lives, but God wants His best for your life. And if we tap into that, it gives us momentum. And so we're going to, we're going to do that however we did have the task of just finishing off Friday. Uh, we didn't quite get to everything, and we were looking at three new wineskins of the new covenant that help us to be positioned to step into the new. Uh, We're looking at 1 Corinthians and we said that there was faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. We looked at faith. Let's just finish that and we'll just do the last two quickly and then we'll dig into the content from today. So we're talking about the first one, which is faith. This is a new wineskin. And if you're going to serve God in the new covenant, you will always need to have faith. We saw that last week because without faith it is impossible to please him. The next verse, which is Hebrews 11 verse 7, look what it says. It says, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So we are righteous today by faith. It's our faith that keeps us engaged in that righteousness. Here's the interesting thing about Noah. Uh, Scholars tell us it took Noah about 113 years to build the ark. So for 113 years, he was building the ark and everyone was looking at him saying, you are crazy. But the day came when the rain fell. And I think it's so significant that that hundred years, to me, speaks about our whole lifetime. In other words, we're going to live our whole life by faith, and at the end of it, we're going to graduate into eternity. But here's what I wanted you to see from this scripture. 
Faith sees beyond your current circumstance. It distinguishes you as a believer, and it'll cause you to stand out from the crowd. When everyone else is confused, when everyone else is wondering what's going to happen next, the people of faith are able to distinguish themselves because we don't look at our circumstances. We're governed by what God says. And so when you're able to move in that realm, what happens is you start to make an impact in your world. Just because you're a person of faith. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to try. You become that because of your faith. So let's make a decision to be determined to act immediately when God says something to you. When you sense God speaking to you, maybe it's by the Spirit, maybe it's by the Word of God, and we're going to look at how God speaks to us later on in the teaching. But when God speaks to you, you've got to step out in faith. Immediately. You know what I found in my life? When I start to hear God and then I like start to think about it. How many of you know it always becomes difficult? Because then I'm like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Maybe God wasn't speaking to me. No, when you sense God, when you feel the Spirit of God saying, when you, when you get a word from God and, and God's confirming it, I'm not just saying step out on every whim. When, when you've proven that word, when you know how to hear from God, when, when God's confirmed that word, you cannot hesitate. You need to step out in faith and do it. Just look at the person next to you. Say, just knock it. You know what that means, eh? Okay. Just do it. Look at the person next to you. Say, just do it. I know Nike thinks they came up with it, but it was actually Jesus. Okay? So, I want to encourage you today. It's time for you to step into your new. Don't wait another minute. Amen? Launch out in faith and believe God. Let go of that old wine skin. Amen? When you walk out, leave it at the altar this morning and declare that I'm stepping into my new. You see, there comes a point in your life where you have to stop talking, stop praying, stop thinking, and just step into your next. Cross the Jordan. Can you say amen? Break that barrier in your life. Because why? God's got something better in store for you. Say God's got something better. Isn't it interesting, we'll look at this in our next series, so I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but I think it's so important to remember this. How many of you know that eventually God said to Joshua, prepare the children of Israel, tomorrow you cross the Jordan. Here's what's interesting. The Jordan River wasn't that much of a big river. It wasn't that deep until winter. Then it flooded. And guess when God waited to tell them to cross? Winter. Why? Because he wanted to make sure that they knew it wasn't them, it was him. So look at the person next to you, say, don't be scared. All right, so the next thing, so that's faith. Then let's look at hope. So many people today have lost hope. And they've lost hope not just because of the circumstance. How many of you know we're living in difficult times, guys? It is difficult. Let's just be honest with each other. Complex times. But the reality is Timothy said that that would come. Perilous times would come. It's encouraging for the believer because it tells us we're living right where God wants us to live. But I'll tell you what, we're not just losing hope because of circumstance. Some of us are losing hope because of things people do. Even people in the church, great leaders, 
Amen? And sometimes when we get our eyes of Jesus onto great leaders, we set ourselves up for a fall because when they fall, we fall with them. And I want to encourage you today, keep your eyes on Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If I stop following Christ, you keep following him as your pastor. Can you say amen? And so what we've got to realize is it doesn't matter how beloved they are. It doesn't matter how great. It doesn't matter how God's used them. Pray for them. Love them in the spirit. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Because if you don't, you'll lose your hope and it'll drag you down. You'll become discouraged. Have a look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 to 20 in, in the Amplified. So that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible... For God to lie. We who have fled to him for refuge would have a strong encouragement. Say strong encouragement. How many of you think God is wanting to tell you he wants you to be encouraged? His best for your life is you stay encouraged. And how do you stay encouraged? By realizing it's God who doesn't lie. Man will lie. Man will let us down. Man will make mistakes because we have feet of clay. But God never lies. God's word is true. You can stake your life on it. And it says, encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope that is set before us. This hope, the confidence assurance, we have as an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. There we see the glory of God again. Where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us, having become our high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So in other words, hope allows us to leave our unanswered questions, our confusion, I'm not understanding what's going on at the feet of Jesus and keep trusting him. Remain in peace because when you do that, it will release his ability in your life to believe for your best or for his best in your life. So that's hope, faith, hope. And then the third one is love. Do you realize this morning God loves you, which means you never have to shrink back or withhold what you're feeling, or what you're going through. He has got your back. Always. And I love that. I think one of the greatest testimonies about David is this, is that David always went to God with his praise and with his problems. He didn't shy away from saying, God, where are you? I've been praying about this for ages. Why haven't you broken through yet? What is going on? Are you going to leave me to die? David had a a passion for God, but he had a confidence in God that he could tell God whatever it was he was going through and whatever it was he was feeling. And so because he processed it in the presence of God, when he was finished, he was able to step into who he was as a king and a champion and be the person God needed him to be. Amen? Why? Because he knew God loved him. And I know we make such a big deal about loving God, but I believe really we must stop focusing on how much we love God and focus on how much he loves us. Because that'll inspire our love. The Bible says clearly we love him because he loved us first. We can love others because he loves us. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5 and just go through a few verses together and have a look at this. Now hope, we spoke about hope, 
does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said the greatest of these is love. Because if you don't understand God loves you, then your hope and your faith are not going to be accurate and effective. Poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit is given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Please underline this. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Underline the next one. Much more then, having been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were sinners, we were reconciled to God through death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. Listen, literally, Jesus loved you to death. Amen? He went to the cross for you. He knows you to the core. Listen, think about this. He knows the mistake you're going to make on Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock. That's a word for someone. (laughs) I'm only joking. He knows what you're going to do on Friday at half past three, and yet he still loves you anyway. That's amazing grace. And you know, when you become so convinced of that love, it changes you on the inside. It stops you from being judgmental about other people. And it causes you to enter into the rest. Because you see, the only way you're able to love others properly is by understanding how much you are loved. So with that in mind, let's turn to Psalm 118. And we're going to dig into today's message specifically. And I want to read from the message translation because I love what David says here in verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 118. Push to the wall, I called to God. From wide open spaces, he answered me. God's now at my side and I'm not afraid. Say, I'm not afraid. Who would dare lay a hand on me? <laughs> Isn't that lovely? <laughs> David just had this confidence. He's like, who's going to touch me? You know, he's, he's like that little guy who, who has got the big buddy. That, that's the picture I get. And, and he's, a, he's a little bit of a wimp, small no, of stature, doesn't really have the, the, the tools, the guns to defend himself, but he's got a big buddy. And so he, he's so confident he can make trouble anywhere. I used to be like that when I got into high school. I was a smaller kind of a guy compared to some of the guys. I mean, my one friend was in standard six for the fifth year. He was already growing a beard, you know what I mean? But I knew who to make friends with. I knew who to make friends with. So maybe I wasn't the strongest guy, but I was certainly the cleverest one in my class. So I had three big buddies. So I I wasn't scared to make trouble. When the bully came along, I'm like, what are you going to do about it? Bring it. And then when he stepped forward, I would just move out the way, and standing behind me was Errol. He's like, seriously, huh? 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 And that's David. He knew who God was. He wasn't worried. And so, you see, you've got to ask yourself a question this morning. Are you looking at your problems and your life and your circumstances from Friday? 
or you're looking at from Sunday. Because if you're looking at it Friday, you're like Jesus in the Garden of Semony before he went to the cross. He was in anguish. He was in prayer. He was like, God, take this cup away from me. But hang on, he went through Friday so he could get to Sunday. And Sunday, God raised him from the dead. He was resurrected. And now he ever lives to reign and rule. And we look at life from Sunday. We look at life from a place of victory. We look at life from a place of, hey, God is on my side. How dare you take me on? Not in pride but in humility, knowing who's at our side. Have a look at verse 15 and 16. David starts to conclude. I want to read out the message as well. He says, I was right on the cliff edge, ready to fall, when God grabbed and held me. God's my strength. He's also my song. And now he's my salvation. Hear the shouts. Hear the triumphant songs in the camp of the saved. The hand of God has turned the tide. The hand of God is raised in victory. The hand of God has turned the tide. Say it with me. The hand of God has turned the tide. You might be down, but you're not out. Can you say amen? Rise in praise. Rise in victory because God is on your side. So with that in mind, let's dig into today's material. So Romans 8 verse 1 and 2, we see in the message again, it says, with the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, this fateful dilemma is resolved. Come on, church, step into your new. God is with you. God is for you. You might be fighting your biggest battle, your biggest struggle, and and it's difficult, but here's the thing. God is on your side. He's by your side. And your victory is imminent. That faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under the continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from the fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. So here's your question. How are you looking at your current current life, circumstance, and even your future? Because Jesus has resurrected from the dead, and he's on your side this morning. So this means you don't have to let fear grip you. You don't have to let fear control your decisions and your choice-making right now. Now, I understand all of us deal with fear. All of us have fear in our lives at times. But here's what you've got to guard against. Don't let fear start to control your life. Don't let fear start to control and dominate your decisions. Because what happens then is you're taking ownership of that fear. You see, listen, fear is like the devil's faith. So just like faith is a trust in God and it brings down the resources of heaven for your disposal, fear is believing the enemy and it allows him access to control your circumstances. I love what Joyce Meyer says, do it scared. When we say don't be fearful, we're not saying you never face fear. We're saying you face fear, but you still keep doing what you know you need to do. 
You stay in faith and you keep moving forward. And I believe that's really what, what Paul was speaking to Timothy as he was mentoring him for ministry. He had stepped in to be the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He was a younger guy. He was intimidated by the circumstances. He was intimidated by the people. And, and so Paul begins to minister to him. And look what he says in verses five. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt firstly in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. His terminology makes it sound like Paul was saying, I'm persuaded you have faith, but I don't know if you are. I'm persuaded you have faith, but I'm not seeing it right now. And so he's, he's encouraging, but he's also correcting Timothy in a loving way. Look what he says. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. Why? For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power, say power, of love, say love, and of a sound mind, say a sound mind. So it's time for you and I to step into our new, to walk into God's best for your life. You have to move forward in spite of fear, in spite of the feelings of anxiety that you might have. That's what courage is. And I want to just tell you, church, for myself and Mandy right now, we're looking at this year. We feel like God's put a whole lot of things in front of us. We can't see clearly exactly which is the first step. How's this all going to work out? What do we have to do? How's it going to happen? But how many of you know we can still step out in faith and say, God, you guide us. As we step, you'll make sure that the door opens. As we step, you'll guide us. And that's not just related around the church. It's related around our own lives. I feel like God is challenging me as, as your pastor to step into some new things and leave behind some of the old wineskins. And that's difficult when you've been used to certain things. But you know what? You don't have to let fear and anxiety control you. Why? Because you know and are confident that Jesus is guiding you. Your faith is not in you, it's in Jesus. So learn to co cooperate with Jesus. And when you cooperate with Jesus, you'll start to see, like Noah, you'll be warned of things to come. You'll be shown of the decisions you need to make. And you'll be able to step into that. So just like faith, fear works through your thinking through your words, and through your actions. Fear comes from listening and focusing on the negative things in and around us. I was talking with my pastor, and we were just talking about some things a couple of weeks ago when I was up there in Joburg, and, and he was just saying, oh, this is happening, and oh, that is happening, and oh, the war. And then he stopped himself. He said, no, I need to stop saying that because I'm watching too much news. And so there's nothing wrong with watching the news and being informed, but when you start to let that be your frame of reference, fear will grip your heart. Darkness will come in, and it'll rob you of your faith, and it'll prevent you from being the person you need to be. Come on, church. Your pastor's pastoring you this morning. Are you letting someone else or something else talk you out of your best future? Look at the person next to you. Say, stop it. I love what a great preacher once said. You've got to feed your faith and you've got to starve your doubts. Amen? Put them on a starvation diet and kill them. 1 Timothy 4 verse 18 and 19, it says, Therefore, there is no fear in love. 
But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. You see, receiving God's love into your life produces trust, and where you have trust, fear cannot get a foothold in your life. You might have to deal with it, you might have to process it, but it won't get a foothold. And if it doesn't have a foothold, it cannot speak into your life. It cannot control your destiny. So it's so important. Listen listen to what David said in Psalm 27, verse 3. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this one thing I'll be confident. That God was on his side, that God loved him. So fear is normally based around what might happen, what did happen in the past, and what hasn't happened yet in my life. How many know the the enemy just has a way? Ah, you see, that hasn't happened yet. God's not on your side. Ah, you see what happened last time you did that. Oh, you don't know how this is going to work out. When you start having those thoughts, realize the enemy is setting you up to try and get you to take the bait of fear, to take the bait of worry. Don't allow it. Close the door and let faith step forward. You see, these end up causing us to abandon our dreams, lose our hope, and ending up discouraged. We become vulnerable then to the lie that says God is not working. But how many of you know that song? Even when it feels he's not working, he's always working. Even when you can't see he's working, he's working. God is always working towards his best for your life. The question is, are you going to allow him to bring his best forward in your life? Pastor Ray, in his devotion, I was reading it uh, this morning from yesterday because I didn't get to it yesterday. And he said, the graveyard is full of potential that was never realized. Let's not be those people. Can you say amen? Let's live life to the fullest. Let's maximize our potential and allow God to work in us that which he's called us to be. The fact is that he saved you and that means he wants you in his life. Isn't that beautiful? God wants you in his life. He wants you to be part of the kingdom. So turn with me to Psalm 61, verses 1 to 4. And, and let's have a look here at, at the psalmist here. He says, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter to me. You have been a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide or I will live in your tabernacle forever and I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Fear says God is far away and he doesn't want to help you. But faith says God is near, he's busy helping me and he's always willing to give me the ability I need to make a good decision. So faith brings you to a place where you're able to stand and walk into what God has for your life. So for the rest of today and probably next week, I want to talk to you about five significant things that we can do to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, into tapping into God's next best for your life. Andy Stanley, a great preacher and pastor, in his book on leadership, shared these five things that help us stay connected with God and cause us to keep growing as his disciples. 
Here's what he said, though. When you recognize the sovereignty of God working in people's lives, and they literally spend years surveying the people of their church, and they've got a huge church, more than 20,000 people. And they did surveys, and they discovered these five things were prevalent in every believer that was growing, that was moving forward, becoming successful, fulfilling their purpose in God on multiple levels, not just in the ministry, so to speak, but in every area. And this is what he said. When they realized that this was God's sovereignty, and they realized they could cooperate with God in these five things, they saw exponential growth. So God's sovereignty can't be controlled. Can you say amen? God's sovereignty will work. But when you realize what it is, and you can step in and cooperate with it, how many of you know it takes it to the next level? Say, I'm going to the next level. All right, so I want to give the five of them to you, and then we'll spend this week, the rest of this week, and next week, we're going to, we're going to break them down, and we're going to just let the Lord speak to us about them. So here they are, they five, they all start with P, so you don't forget them. Number one, practice the word. Number two, private discipline. Number three, personal ministry. Number four, providential relationships. And number five, pivotal circumstances. All five of these are a display of God's sovereignty in our lives, but they're things God uses. And because he uses them, when we can leverage them in our lives, it takes it to the next level. So let's start with number one. We'll probably only get to that today. We'll do the other four next Sunday. So number one, practice the word. Say that with me. Practice the word. All right, turn with me to James chapter 1 from verse 21. I'm going to read it in the NLT second edition because it brings out some aspects here we need to just think about for this morning. Starting in verse 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Now, we always focus on this part, and I, I think it's important. It says, humbly accept the word of God. But he doesn't stop there. He says, humbly accept the word of God that is planted in your heart. So where's the word planted? It's planted in our heart, which is our spirit, the real you. And so the word planted in William's life might be a little different to the word planted in Ben's life. Why? Because their purpose is different. Their personality is different. Their makeup is different. Are you wearing your makeup? Yeah. I don't think William put his on today, but I see you did shine your head, buddy. Well done. So notice, we're preaching the same message, but different seeds being sown into our heart according to where we are with God. Isn't the Holy Spirit awesome? So supernatural. You might be hearing one dimension. Someone else might be hearing a different dimension. I couldn't figure that out, but God knows what he's doing. So here's the point I'm trying to make. It's not just about humility. Humility is understanding what is God sowing into my heart from the word that's for me. Otherwise, all you're hearing is another message. And how many you know it's the seed that's sown that produces the harvest? So guard that seed. Be aware of that seed. Think about that seed. So for Mandy and I, in this moment, in this season of our lives, God's sowing specific seed because he knows what harvest I need on January the 1st, 2023. Because I know you don't plant the seed today and get the harvest tomorrow. 
Hear us, church. The harvest you're enjoying now is the seed you sowed in the last season. Maybe six months ago, maybe a year ago, and I love what what Mandy said last week. She said, there's no time frame in the seed that's sown because the dead seed can be watered and suddenly spring to life. So guard your heart. Think about the seed that's been sown and look what he says. That's planted in your heart for it has the power. What has the power? No, the seed of the word. 100% correct. But it's the seed of the word. What does it have the power to do? It has the power to save your soul. That word save there is soteria, sozo. The seed of the word has the power to sozo, to soteria your life. Go study that word. It's the word salvation, and it encompasses everything you and I need to live here in this earth. Go check it out. It speaks of well-being, it speaks of health, it speaks of wealth, it speaks of protection. That's seed. Now, verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey the word, it is like you glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself... You walk away and you forget what you look like. How many of us have forgotten what we look like? I don't mean like naturally. Have you seen some ladies? And this is part of their makeup and it's, it's actually quite endearing, but they've always got a mirror. Have you got a mirror in your... Yep. Have you got a mirror in your bag? Yep. <laughs> Got a mirror in your bag, ma'am? Yep. Got a mirror in your bag? Nope. Okay. But he has, eh? <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Because every now and then you just need to check. Just check my lipstick. The point I'm trying to make is stop looking in the mirror of the word, seeing who you are, And then when you go home today, you forget who you are. Because when you forget who you are, you start being who you're not. And so so James is trying to teach his church. He was the pastor of the biggest church in Jerusalem. And and, uh, scholars tell us that when it it came to the end of the the time of Jerusalem, they had nearly 20,000 members. I know people say they met in house to house, but they didn't always meet in house to house. The church in Jerusalem had grown so much that they had nearly 20,000 members. And James here is pastoring the church. He's the the stepbrother of Jesus. And he says, I mean, you know, he carries a bit of authority. And he says, listen, don't forget the word that's been sown in your heart. Think about it. Meditate on it. Let it be the mirror in front of you that shows you who you are. Because then, read on. Glancing your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, God will bless you for doing it. Isn't that amazing? As a matter of fact, I think the King James says you'll be blessed in in everything you do. So practicing the word is simply learning to obey the word. Guess what? You're practicing the word this morning. You came to church. 
You worship God. You got out of bed early. You put on your best face. You looked in the mirror. You came to church. You're a doer of word. Say, I'm a doer of the word. I love here that, that, that what jumped out at me more than anything else is the responsibility is on God to make his word work. My responsibility is to sow the seed, is to look after it, to be intentional, to listen to it, and to act on it. If I'll do that, the rest's up to God. So that brings a rest in my life because why? My faith's in God. We're trusting God together. So when you practice the word, grace starts to flow in your life. What is grace? God's divine favor. And that produces faith. And when you produce faith, you start to see what you're actually capable of seeing, capable of doing. And so you can start to take the steps towards that. Because how many of you know you move towards where you're looking? That's why they say, don't text while you're driving. <laughs> there, because <laughs> how many of you know you end, off, you end up off the road where you shouldn't be? So keep your eyes on the road. And when you start realizing what you're capable of, the power of God will show up. So it's more about not just knowing the promise, but knowing Jesus. Building your relationship with him. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's in this with us the whole way. He started our faith, and he's the one who's going to finish it. Who for the joy that was set before him, that is you, Endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, the word looking, yeah, looking unto Jesus in the Greek, this is what it means. To view something with your undivided attention by deliberately looking away from every other object. Looking to Jesus, not being distracted by anything else. When we learn to focus on the person of Jesus Christ and not just his promises, we have been doers of the word, and God's patience will work in our hearts. And when we start to believe the word and obey the word, we'll start to overcome frustration. We'll, tr we'll start to overcome the things that continually upset us. You see, believing in and acting on the word of God creates rest in your life. And when you rest, you're not struggling. When you rest, you're not striving. When you rest, you're allowing God's grace to work in your life. And he will go before you and pray the, prepare the way. So as soon as you start believing God's word, you might find yourself, sorry, let me just jump back. Sometimes what happens is our thoughts become negative and full of doubt. When, when I start to get frustrated, when I start to look at things and say, wow, that, what's this, what's going on? What happens is you start to doubt, you start to get discouraged and you become negative. And it shows up in the things you say. It shows up in, in, your, in your words, in your posture. And what it really means is this. You've taken your eyes off Jesus. So put your eyes back on Jesus. And you know what? When you start hearing his word, when you start receiving the word, when you start obeying the word, you know what? Joy will return. Faith will be ramped up. And you'll start to see the fruit of contentment in your life. Why? Because you're practicing the word. Look at the person next to you. Say, practice the word. This week... It's not a work you do, it's a cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's cooperating with Him. Put on a good teaching CD. Go to our YouTube channel, listen to the Word again. 
Find, find a good faith preacher. Listen to the word. Find someone who's preaching the word that you can look up to and listen to that word. Sow it into your spirit because it'll build faith, it'll strengthen you, and you'll become a doer of the word. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your word never returns void, but will always accomplish what it's set out to accomplish. If you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you're watching online and there's a tugging on your heart right now. Jesus is speaking to you. He's saying, it's time to surrender to me. It's time to give your life to Jesus. So if you're here in the auditorium online and you say, yes, pastor, that's me. I want to leave you today knowing that I'm changed, that I'm born again. Would you raise your hand if that's you in the auditorium? And if you're online, we're going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. If you'd like to just pray this out loud with us, we'd love to lead you in the prayer of salvation. The whole church is going to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, I believe today that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for my sin, and that You raised Him on the third day so that I could be saved. I acknowledge and accept Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Thank You for saving me today. Amen. God bless you. If you're online and you've just prayed that prayer, please send us a WhatsApp or an email. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to send you a Bible and a little booklet. And if you want to sow your finances today, there's a SnapScan code that's appearing on your screen. And uh, all the details are there on social media. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for being in our first service. Sorry, stay... Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> we can no thank you for reminding me I, I forgot it was in my easter eggs <laughs> my mind was on the easter eggs <laughs> sorry even if you're online right now we're going to just take a moment to receive the table of communion and it's such a special awesome moment where we can partake and receive into our lives his provision so if you're using these for the first time before you snap the little piece extended just pull back the little clear film that will expose the communion element, the bread. Then you can break this little piece that's sticking out by bending it right down to the bottom, right up to the top. It should actually break off or come loose, and then the silver piece is exposed, and you can pull that back. I'll give you a second to all get ready as we just prepare not just our communion, but our hearts to receive communion. As you partake today, we're putting our faith in the body of Christ that was broken so that we could receive healing and breakthrough. And for forgiveness, we're putting our faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's our savior. Let's partake together the body of Christ that was broken for us. And the blood of the new covenant that speaks of a better covenant based on better promises. And as you partake today, receive your healing, receive provision into your life in Jesus' name. God bless you. We're going to invite you to please take those empty cups with you. There are dustbins on the way out. If you'll just pop them in there, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being in our first service. Enjoy Resurrection Sunday. As you leave today, we have a real treat for you. We've got Easter eggs for everybody. And so uh, we want you to enjoy that. And I'm going to do one of my favorite things. They haven't let me do this for years because uh, I had a big bucket and I threw it at someone by accident. But God bless you. We love you. Happy Easter, everybody.
Happy Resurrection Sunday. There is one for everybody when you leave. And they're my very favorite. Love you guys. Have a lovely Sunday. Don't forget, join us on Wednesday in a small group. And don't forget to join us online on Thursday at half past six for our Bible study and communion. Be blessed.